0: And welcome to the Line Break Podcast. My name is Chris Corlew, and with me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Bob Sakura. We're here. We are here. We are here. We are here. And uh, if you haven't been keeping up with the show, we have spent the last four weeks doing deep dives into long, book-length poetry collections, Uh, Beholding by Ross Gay and Leadbelly by Tayamba Jess and those were a lot of fun to do but they also meant a lot of work for us so we thought we'd take it easy this week and just read a few poems to each other (laughs) welcome to another episode of what have you been reading lately uh bob how are you and what have you been reading lately
1: oh man i was thinking about this the other day how how, uh, i was i don't know what podcast i was listening to but we don't do a like how are you checking every episode
0: yeah i think well i i listen to the daily zeitgeist a lot and uh-huh. they uh like mid pandemic we're like we're gonna stop asking guests <laughs> how are you because it's it's uh it's a tough time for everybody so i was like okay maybe i just won't ask bob how he is like we'll just you know we'll just we'll just get that's into the probably project.
1: fair that's yeah. probably
0: fair um i'm okay plus we're poets we're always up and down
1: (laughs) right there's that is that um before we started recording we were talking about insecurities of the podcast and how we sound and what we do And, and one of mine is that i i have listened to some episodes and i can just hear my like laugh getting closer and closer to the microphone and just now i was watching myself on the screen and realized that part of the problem is that like I'm a full body laugher. So when you really make me laugh, it's, you know, it's an up and down movement <laughs> and I cannot control how close I'm going to be to the microphone. I've tried to be conscious of it, um, <laughs> but sometimes you, you really make me laugh. So <laughs> we, we gotta.
0: I, I've noticed that a little bit in the, uh, in the edits where like you, you, you are a full body laugher and I am, I can be a full body laugher, but I, I, uh, I frequently like, kind of like murmur laugh and I don't know why I do it for the podcast I think it's maybe I'm conscientious of like that this is being recorded because I feel like in real life I full body laugh way more but uh sometimes (laughs) sometimes I'll be editing the podcast I'll be like everyone's gonna think that like Bob laughs a lot and I'm just like this humorless jerk (laughs) like
1: You're not giving your full laugh to the pod. You're giving us your mumblecore laugh.
0: <laughs> um, it's not intentional. It's 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 totally born out of insecurity. Um.
1: That's interesting. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I definitely think about what I sound like when we're doing this. I think I. I, I just don't know if I have that much control.
0: Um, yeah, same here. I think about it, but like, how much control? We need like acting coaches. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe get maybe get my wife to come in here and be like, okay, here's how you need to project a little bit more <laughs>
1: Oh my goodness all of like, getting into um how I've been and what I've been reading I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna get ahead of our order here and, I, and I'm gonna actually talk about why this poem um before I read it oh sure yeah why um not? yeah because I just I don't know just the introduction here. Yeah, I see your notes. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Um, I've been reading a ton in 2021. Like, I feel really good about it. I think That's great. I'm keeping track of the books in the last page of my journal for the year, and I think I'm at 28 right now. Um nice. Which is, like, way above Bob Average. Like, a million percent. This is the, like, most reading I've done since grad school.
0: That's um, great. So we're talking, yeah. like,
1: three or four years of, like, a way slower pace. Um, yeah. And I checked out... I've been checking out some poetry collections that I've been like meaning to hit, you know, so they're from the past couple of years. Um, I just didn't get to them. And, I'm, and I was looking at like the last three or four that I've done. I've got one right now. Like I'm just getting into it. So I wasn't, eh, there was nothing that like struck me that I wanted to pull from that one. Sure. Um, and then another that I had another few that I was like pretty excited for, but you know, for whatever reason, um, and there's still poets that I admire. I, I think there was a lot that I did get out of reading these books, but they just like didn't connect with me. Um, and the way I was hoping to. And you know, I don't know if it's, you know, actually just like the book itself or like where I'm at right now. Um sure. I'm just I'm jiving with the fiction and nonfiction that I've been reading much more than the poetry collections that I've been reading. And I would love to get out of that funk. But as a result of that, um I just like tried to like rack my brain and I was like, well, what's the just <laughs> the word I want to use here, which sounds ridiculous to me, is like, what's the Lucy? As in, like a loose poem that I've read. Oh, that sure. I've
0: like like, a, like, like uh, shout out to the late Paul Mooney and Chappelle Show, uh, but like a loose cigarette book right, for, yes, for it's poetry. Exactly, yeah,
1: exactly what I meant. Which again is like also absurd for, for me to say that. Um, as someone who has never been a smoker, <laughs> I like, have I've never requested a Lucy. Um, but that was the word that came to my mind.
0: Yeah, All I feel. Like,
1: of, oh, you go.
0: Oh no, I, I, yeah, I, I feel you on a couple of levels here. One with the, uh, yeah, like you know, where are you at with like just everything that's happened in the world in the last mm-hmm. like few years, five years, <laughs> you know, whatever, like, six years. Um, I have been struggling with like, yeah, like my attention span on full books and things like that. Like, I, I, I pick up short story collections and I pick up poetry collections and I read a few poems here and there. And I, I, I am very conscientious of the fact that I'm not doing the book justice. By not reading the whole thing cover to cover. <laughs> but uh yeah, my attention span's just like like waned a little bit and right. it's 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 been harder. I, I don't remember the last time I read a novel cover to cover, but I do a lot of reading. I'm reading almost every day. Like well, I'm I'm reading every day, but I'm reading almost like most of my hours every day. But it's also like, you know, articles and like yeah. a a short story here and there, a poem here and there, that sort of thing. Um, but I feel bad when I'm not like holding a physical book and like thumbing through it and or flipping through it and like having the the bookmark and picking it back up the next day and like I I really want I really want the opportunity to like get back into that and I have uh, you were talking about journaling your mm-hmm. um, the books that you read I have a spreadsheet on my computer <laughs> I have exactly two spreadsheets saved on my computer and it's one is. Uh, things I've submitted to places, uh, okay. like, like stories and poems and pitches and things, um, and then my reading list. And I started doing my reading list in 2019 on my computer, so I could keep track of like what books I read of the year and what right. books I wanted to read, like like things to buy and stuff like that. Um, and I... I, I I set it at twenty books a year, and I never hit it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that's twenty nineteen. My son was born in twenty eighteen, so I'm using him as an excuse. <laughs> uh, he is uh, um, aside from Beowulf, he he's not he's not like a, a big reader. I tried to read a uh, I tried to read your poem that that we're about to read to him today, and he uh, instead opted for Dragons Love Tacos, which is a a great book, but um, but you know. <laughs> not exactly a Pulitzer winner. Um, so yeah, I empathize with you a lot on, uh, on sort of being in a rut a little bit and, uh, and just, uh, yeah, sometimes you're in a rough spot with reading and you can just, you just got to read what you can. I get right. it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, there's a, there's a connection here that you made. We didn't plan this. It's going to work out really nicely. So I'm going to read the poem, but that idea of attention span, I think is important, um, to some of what I want to talk about here. Sure, yeah. Um, so let's get to it. This poem is called Earth, the. Um, Earth is in parentheses. There's a comma after Earth. Um, so it kind of looks like a. Um, shoot, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know, an entry in an encyclopedia um, or. It looks
0: like something I feel like I'd see in, and I, I barely watch this, but I feel like it, it's something I'd see in like Star Trek or like a sci fi thing <laughs> where it's like, like an entry into a, a log. Sure, you know?
1: sure. I was thinking of it um like a um like a, like an appendix almost like appendix entry almost oh yeah yeah you know mm-hmm. something like that yeah um,
0: yeah that's 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 similar to what I'm saying yeah sure yeah yeah, yeah yeah
1: um the parentheses around the earth I think is is doing some work and I'm not fully sure on it but we'll get to it yeah um it's by Natalie Eilbert, um who wrote um her last collection is called Indictus it uh, was really incredible can't recommend enough um I. That book, I thought, was really special. And actually, I'd like to reread it again. I think I'm going to do that. I I checked it out of the library last time I read it. I might might do that again. Anywho, let's get this poem. (laughs) Earth, the. Oh, problems. I've never been resilient anyway. The ropes eventually biodegrade around my wrists. Phosphor is a pretty, pretty word. Even as it modifies runoff. When I tell academics we've entered a threshold without bugs, they laugh and say I should come to the South and say that. It's like the senator who brought a snowball to Congress. Together we walk into private conveniences. What we do is to spend it. I am not empty of metaphor. I am tired of multitudes, the indelible crush of leaves, Grass upturned in battle for the ball, gravel, gravel, animals grow bigger at the end of their epoch. The wind soothes only when we need confirmation. Close your eyes to breeze. I am not the promise of forgetting. I merge regretfully, and I too miss the point: No tonnage, no respirators. No Edenic twist. Oh, chronic, heavenless now. Look. A scorch mark in California lumber resembles the tilted shape of Saturn. The pretty, pretty rings of disaster. Crashed moon cores why I'm done with landscapes. Below this beauty, nothing lives. Disaster. My hands shake with its white vantage. Oh, problems, my plastic, movable cunt. Disaster, a word loved by what comes after. And we, without stars, our bodies alive, thickened.
0: Hell yeah, that's a poem. (laughs) Yeah, this is is a really good one. I have a couple things to get off my chest before you dive in.
1: (laughs) Okay, bring it.
0: The first line. (laughs) Oh, problems! I've never been resilient anyway. Um, right. Sent me to uh, the realization that, um, despite my best fantasies, I'd uh, not survive an apocalypse very long. Uh, <laughs> um, I try to keep myself in shape. I try to be mentally strong, but if an apocalypse were to happen, I—I don't know how long I'd last. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, like this—this this is so very much like alluding to climate change. The, uh, the constant allusions to, um uh, being, feeling like a lot of poetic traditions can't address what you want to talk about. Yeah. I am empty of, I am not empty of metaphor. I am tired of multitudes. The indelible crush of leaves, grass upturned in battle for a ball. Like that, that's very Whitman-ish, um... And uh, no Edenic twist, that's a direct shot of the Romantics and, you know, whoever wrote the Bible. (laughs) And then the, um, oh, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one. I guess just the general sort of uh, feeling of Wordsworth Slake's poems that I get from this this poem, but like twisting it on its head. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm done. crashed moon cores why i'm done with landscapes uh it's peak poet to mention the moon in your poem and uh <laughs> but you're done with landscapes um yeah not more shots of the romantics yeah and then the last thing the third thing i'll say is um <laughs> so mallory my wife has been <laughs> watching a lot of youtube videos like documentary clips on the destruction of pompeii lately okay I don't I don't know what sparked this uh, uh, inspiration, but you know she she has this amazing mind where um, if uh, if if she gets into a topic, she gets like really into a topic and just like yeah. does a deep dive on stuff. And I, I think it's really cool. She has a much better attention span than I do, and and, uh, and I, I admire what she does. But the the last two lines, the or I guess the last four lines. I'll start at the sentence. Mm -hmm. Oh, problems, my plastic, movable cunt, disaster of a word, loved by what comes after, and we without stars, our bodies alive, thickened. And then there's an M dash, and that's -hmm. the end of the poem. Yeah. That made me think of a volcano, (laughs) and and like the speaker died instead of finishing the poem. That sort of thing.
1: I mean, Uh, that's, I think that's certainly kind of the effect. I know. I, I think this poem is coming, you know, from a place of, of, you know, real fear yeah. know, of climate change, and, and you know, and what's happening, or you know, maybe fear is not the quite the word I'm looking for, but you know, is
0: anxiety, stir- at least, yeah,
1: anxiety, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think I, I we're I, we're going to trample all over my notes here.
0: I'll get to the questions. Yeah. No,
1: my I mean, my notes were you know. Whatever. Um, but I think there's something about that ending you're right, I think is is one I, I don't I don't know if I'm fully following. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm getting all of it. And I, I wanna keep reading and I wanna keep looking at it and thinking about it. But that, you know, yeah, the, the M dash there, you know, is doing that work of interruption, mm-hmm. um, or maybe something that can't be said. And we without stars, which to me is this great I don't know, like, turning turning on the head of, I don't know, that, to me, at least reminded me of, um, you know, we're all made of stardust, kind of. Oh, sure. You know, yeah, yeah like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's such a great idea, but it's been kind of, it's a really cool thing, actually, but it's, you know, it's been kind of fluffified, I guess, you know, into, yeah. into yeah. just a, a nice saying kind of thing. Right. Um, our bodies alive, you know, which kind of seems like the opposite of, what this is all alluding to, right, um, right. you know, um, and that we're, we're somehow thickened.
0: I'm... That thickened kind of recalls the animals grow bigger at the end of the epic. Yeah, their epoch, yes. um, Or epoch or epic? I'm don't not know.
1: sure. I meant to look it up.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure either. <laughs> Classic. Everyone at home drink. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know enough about geologic history and, and, uh, and uh, animal history to know, but, like, I mean, yeah, like, bears and sloths are smaller than they were centuries ago, you know, and humans are fatter than they were centuries ago, so who knows? I don't know, you know.
1: For sure. And I, I guess, you know, yeah, that that sudden, like, stoppage, you know, to me, really hinted at the way this is ongoing, Um, yeah, I think kind of like you're pointing to that idea of, you know, a poem's not going to fix it. Um, I think a lot of this is kind of speaking to maybe like the, the feeling of being helpless (laughs) about it, you know, and kind of directly, um, I don't know, this is four or five, six lines in, you know, when I tell academics, we've entered a threshold without bugs, they laugh and say, I should go to the South and say that. So kind of this way that, you know, even theoretically serious people,
0: or you're know, yeah, kind of yeah.
1: pushing it off to the side.
0: Yeah. In academics, uh, few people on earth are more, one, important, and two, useless. <laughs> in, 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 in times of crises. It's like, okay, we called attention to it. Now right. somebody else do something about
1: it. <laughs> Shots fired. Um, but I mean, I... I I think what I'm all getting to is I think that's kind of why this poem works so well for me is I is I do think, I think climate change is something that's really hard to write about.
0: It's really hard to write about and it's really hard to think about. I have, Yeah. I have so much climate anxiety.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and like, we all should have that anxiety. Yeah. Um, and it is just a problem that is certainly bigger than any of us as individuals. Um, it's certainly... You know, almost it's kinda of just like too big to actually wrap your mind around.
0: It really um, is. Cause you can do all the things. You can do all the you can recycle, you can compost, you can right. cut your meat consumption. I mean, you're a vegetarian. I'm I'm not. <laughs> um you can you know, we cloth diapered uh mm-hmm. with, with with our kid and um you can do all the stuff and it it all goes back to like 100 people are causing 75 percent of right. the climate damage, right. you know, and it's like, what do you do with that? Do you just go kill the 100 people? <laughs> like that's not, that that no, like you don't, but like also
1: like probably couldn't if I wanted. <laughs> also probably couldn't. Yeah, like it's you know, not exactly storming the that.
0: gates with uh with with pitchforks like <laughs> now. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. And yeah, you just feel, you feel helpless. And, um, man, our our kid, uh, we were at the playground the other day and he, um, (laughs) he was sitting, sitting on something or jumping over something, I think. And he like, (laughs) he sat on his balls and went like, ow. (laughs) And I was like, oh no, sorry. Like, I know that hurts. And, uh, Mallory went, um. Yeah, we we want you to have kids one day. And I was like, isn't that a decision ExxonMobil has to make? <laughs> Meaning, like, will there be a planet by the time he's of childbearing age? And it just came out of my mouth without even thinking about it. And I was like, that's really dark. I feel <laughs> I feel messed up having said that.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm mad that the story entirely does ultimately apply, but because I had a second there where I was like, oh, really? This is the story you're going to tell today?
0: (laughs) Climate change, man.
1: (laughs) But, and again, I think part of, for me, what is really successful about this is it doesn't make me want to look away um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't leave me feeling resolved. It kind of the effect that I get after reading it is is wanting to sit with it.
0: Um, yeah. It's almost elegiac. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not a. It's not it's got, the fetus. It's not hopeful. But it is like very much like look at all this beautiful imagery. Phosphor is a pretty word, even as it line. modifies runoff. Um, yeah. Like it. It's a beautiful poem, and it's not it's not faux hopeful, it's not defeatist, but it does in its own weird way sort of make a case for the world being worth saving yeah absolutely <laughs>
1: absolutely, and I think that i i've really i'm going entirely into answering the last question <laughs> sure, sure.
0: okay yeah no, but um, the,
1: the poem off the page for me, I feel like i've i'm desiring. That sensation of sitting with things even when they're uncomfortable or unsolvable, just kind of in response to the 24 hour news cycle, and probably even more than that, like in particular, like the Twitter news cycle. Yeah. um, yeah. Just there's something new to be outraged about every day. And that's that outrage, I think, often is right, right, especially with like bigger, bigger picture things. But I've also just felt. You know helpless to keep my attention on any one problem at any given time, and you know some of them are even though they are so massive and so huge um what they really demand is our full attention yeah um, yeah or, or at least sustained attention right uh, you right. know and I, I that's it's really on my mind I think right now um i I felt a lot of just like guilt about getting the vaccine, actually.
0: Interesting. <laughs> um, okay. You know? um, yeah. just
1: It's such an absurd privilege of, I mean, among the many absurd privileges of like just because I was born here um, right. that right. I get, you know, and just to know that like the. So today, as I was, I, I went on, you know, an errand this morning um, and I was walking around in a, in, inside a place and I realized there are people without masks. And I was like, I could have sworn there was a sign. Um, and sure, I, I sure. the today's the day where all the establishments put up their sign masks are optional here now, oh, um, <laughs> you know, and I, I don't even want to get into, you know, whether that's a good idea or whether, uh, or, you know, what could be ahead, but, you know, just, we are at least very much here. Um, we are just like moving right past the problem and like, there are a lot of people still dying. I know it's right slowed down in many places. Um, but still really shitty
0: it's still really (laughs) shitty and like i mean people under 16 still can't get vaccinated right right i i i feel comfortable with like taking my mask off outside i I wear my mask still so that people i see on the sidewalk don't feel uncomfortable like it's it's a it's a kind of it's like a um a courtesy type thing of like you know, but but if I'm not if I'm if I'm like in a park or like not around somebody, I'll like uh you know I'll take it off, um, uh, uh just to breathe air. Breathing air isn't really nice. Um, well,
1: I'll tell you, you're, this is I'm living in a smaller city now. People have not been wearing masks outside for ages.
0: Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> I I feel very safe living in my um rich liberal <laughs> Chicago uh, neighborhood.
1: <laughs> But I guess you know, yeah. This is this is all.
0: But yeah. Every time I go inside, the end of that story is every time I go inside. I'm like, oh, ask out. right? You know, I don't want to risk anything. Don't want to. Don't want to contribute to anything.
1: Yeah, um, I guess I. I just I'm feeling really frustrated with this tendency to just kind of like rush past yeah. uncomfortable things. Right. Um. And and this right. poem for me really nails it. Um. Of yeah, ugh, climate change should make us feel uncomfortable um because like that's the least of our actual worries. <laughs> yeah. you know like uh and and again what's so frustrating about it is you know the people who are going to be hit hardest by this um are probably not visible to me in my life.
0: Oh 100%. Um, you know, no, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh there was an episode we did like episode 2 or 3 of this yeah. podcast where we were like we still don't know anyone who you know has gotten covid or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, that is semi changed for me, but not like meaningfully changed for me, Mm -hmm. um, because of the privilege of where I come from. And, um, I bet the same is going to be true for climate change. Right. Um, My house is really close to the lake. Um, so when the sea levels rise, I will probably have to like find a new house, but like,
1: Are the sea levels going to affect Lake Michigan?
0: They have to, right? I have no idea. I have no idea. (laughs) um but they're already
1: like i I know it's big but it's not a sea
0: right it's not a sea (laughs) but like a lot of beaches are already getting erased um uh there's that beach on uh, thorndale uh with the with the rocks way back in college i used to be able to like walk out onto the rocks and now the Mm. rocks are almost entirely under the lake um yeah yeah i'm thankfully west of lakeshore drive but i'm not not west of Broadway, <laughs> so we'll see we'll see what happens um but like and and that but even that like like you said, Lake Michigan is not a sea I'm not say a Miami resident worried about my city being mm-hmm. uh completely sunk, you know right um, that sort of thing i'm not I wasn't born in the Maldives, which is they they had a uh like, five or six years ago, maybe, like, a climate summit with a bunch of other uh, South Asian governments um, and Pacific Islander governments that they held underwater. They, like, put on, like, scuba masks and stuff and, like, sat at a table underwater in the sea and, you know, took a bunch of photos. And the, the, the goal was to, like, one, address climate change stuff and, two, like, uh, get enough photos to show the world, like, hey, this is what's going to happen to us if we don't right. change stuff, you know? right? Um, that's wild. Yeah. Oh, I had something to say to something you said, and now I lost it. I, I really was paying attention to you, I promise. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to take us back into the poem. Yeah, let's do it. Um, uh, we, we, we,
1: we did question number three.
0: We did question number three. Are we going to question number two now? Go back to number two. What's the move, Bob?
1: (laughs) The move is... It's just a different way of going about it in our analysis. We talked about the big picture thing, and now I want to talk about how that big picture thing is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I I had trouble narrowing it down. I was just going to take us back to, because I was thinking of, you know... I agree. Most of the time when I do think about um, who is going to suffer, or maybe already are um, as a result of climate change, um, are people in different, in different countries. Right. Um, yeah. but one of the things that, you know, resonates with me a lot, um, is my family is from Southern California and we talked about this on the podcast before. Of yeah. Just like we'll California. talk about it again. <laughs> California might just be on fire forever. Right. Um, right. you know, and it's a big enough state where that's not necessarily going to affect, um, everyone all the time. And actually like the, the most recent, recent fire that is anywhere close to my parents and it's not like they're, they're fine. Um, but it, it was distinctly an arsonist. Um, right, right. I mean, the fact that it's so dry there, blah, 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 doesn't help. It was dry before, but it's dry worse. I don't know. I don't want to get into all this stuff. But there's this, yeah. I think this moment is so great. Look, a scorch mark in California lumber resembles the tilted shape of Saturn. Yeah. The pretty, pretty rings of disaster. Crash moon cores, why I'm done with landscapes. Um, and you already pushed, or you already pointed at that, um, kind of that last part um being done with landscapes which is so good. Yeah. But I love I, there's kind of a a classic move that I think of with with poetry logic of look a scorch mark in california lumber this one thing resembles another thing and then like the second thing becomes a thing that you think about and describe and that is like having the resonance in the moment, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. You know and that's I think it's you know, there's not even—I don't even know if there's like a great name for that—but I think it is something that happens often and is part of poet logic. Of you know, um, it's not just that this thing is—it's not just the metaphor. This thing is like this thing. It's, it's specifically, like it looks like this thing. It reminds me of this thing. Um, and then you know, the uh, the pretty pretty rings of disaster are both Saturn's rings, rings in um, a tree, and I don't know. That's doing a lot of work for me.
0: But, yeah. but
1: I, that's not actually the thing that I wanted to point
0: to. But just, it does uh, it does something a little bit similar to, um, was it uh, Stephen Furlong's episode where we talked about uh, the I am telling you something important? Or was that, it was that one sounds, of our guests recently.
1: That sounds right.
0: Um, oh, apologies to whichever guest it was if I got it wrong. <laughs> um, but it was like, there was, there was a line in, in one of the poems that was like, I am telling you something important. And that's what that look does, because it's mm-hmm. look, m dash, line break, a right. scorch mark in California. And then what you're saying, scorch mark in California lumber takes us to Saturn. Yeah. yeah right. Uh, yeah. That's that's rad. Um, but yeah, you were saying uh, what you really wanted to get at.
1: So I, this is probably impossible for anyone who's theoretically listening. I have those lines highlighted on my computer right now. Oh, sure. Um, and it's, it's a sentence that is one, two, three, four, five, you know, It goes on six different lines, sure. Yeah, and the kind of movement of this poem is split between lines like that that are or sentences like that that are like pretty long, and I feel like have a lot of motion. You know, it's every other line is indented a little bit, which gives it kind of a natural sort of wave. Yeah, um, Yeah. it's a movement, but it's also filled in addition to those kind of longer wavy moves with just like fantastic quick sharp lines yeah um, that gets you really suddenly um you know i i started with that that first line i can't believe we haven't talked about the first line yet (laughs) (laughs) it's such a fantastic brilliant opener and probably also you know like i think the the poem is really 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 good but i think Mm. like that line cemented it for me like before i even started because that just resonated with me so much oh problems i've never been resilient anyway um and i could feel so that way good. i could feel that way about poems that are about a million different things i would not have expected it to be you know this poem that's making me really think about climate
0: change it's about the apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> um
1: but going on you you pointed this one and we're gonna mispronounce possibly that word again animals grow bigger at the end of their epoch um you know to me that felt really sharp oh chronic heavenless now yeah Below this beauty, nothing lives. Um, you know that just—they're really good lines. I think, um, and yeah. most of those are broken, so I guess they're not technically a single line. They're—they're they're really good phrases or sentences or whatever. Um, but there's something about that. The parts are kind of a little bit looser and and scrolling and moving, and then like—I don't, don't want to say punch. That's too violent.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, they—they
1: they hit me really hard, both in what the sentences were saying and the, the suddenness of them.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It, it totally does. Um, yeah, I, I, I get your impulse to resist saying like punch. Uh, who was it? Was it to reference another guest? Was it lid or was it, a um, uh, Laura? Lid? We were talking
1: it? about the violence of language, uh, the violence
0: yes. of language. Yeah. With oceans yes. long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, uh, it, it's, it's a, uh, it's a great, this poem you were talking about the, the indentations and how it makes the, the poem look sort of wavy and, um, and, and flowing. Um, it kind of, the poem kind of cascades down the page, but
1: good, good verb.
0: The, oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I write occasionally <laughs> the poem kind of cascades down the page, but then like there are, there are clear line breaks and there are clear periods. And mm-hmm. I always find that to be an interesting choice. I don't use periods a lot in my poetry. Um, I let the I like to let the line break serve either as like a uh, as like a breath or a po or a period in, in and of itself. Like I, I don't know. I mean, I should probably experiment with it more. But like generally, when I start a draft of a poem, I don't use periods because like mm-hmm. I'm just like uh, you know I don't often see the point. And um, but these. In here, in this poem, I can't really explain it, but the, both the line breaks and the periods are working in conjunction and against each other at the same time, and I, I really like it. And um, yeah, and you're getting to like the sentence length variation that is really effective in this poem. And yeah, it's 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 very clearly, carefully written poem where even the periods and the commas and the end dashes are very very thought about.
1: They're all doing, they're all doing work here. Yeah I, yeah. I feel like I say this every episode, but yeah, they're doing something with the pacing. Um, again, the movement of the poem, um, you as a reader stopping and starting. And I'm yes. sitting here, I'm sitting here again. I'm like, there's so many things we did not interrogate about this poem. <laughs> right. I, 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 again, I think part of why I liked it, um, I, I, I think this is, it felt like a really full poem. Sure. Um, sure. You know, and, and for better or worse i mean in this moment at this time in my life i think yeah i just had this other kind of big off the page resonance maybe more than on the page but it's like as i talk about it, i look you know I, I, I there's so many things that i there's just there's so many
0: moments let's say right. it that way there's
1: so many moments in this poem
0: yeah yeah it is it is packed and um, it reminds me a little bit of the uh The Jess winder Bellina poem that we read a few Mm -hmm. episodes ago. Mm -hmm. uh, We're just like, everything is doing something, and it's a long poem on top of that. Um, Yeah. But um, speaking of uh, movement in poems.
1: We got to transition. Shall I read? Yeah, I want to hear your poem.
0: A poem with a lot of movement. Um, Okay, so page rattling, page rattling, page rattling. This is uh from an excerpt from They All Seem to Sleep by Matthew Rohrer. It's a chapbook from Octopus Books in 2009, 2008, sorry. Um I have number 107 out of 200. Goddamn. Uh, um it's very cool. It's a it's like a, it's got kind of like a gradiated cover and it's bound right. in a string. It's a very cool design. Uh, So I'm going to read the first two pages. This is a 43-page-length poem. I'm not going to read all 43 pages. The ping, the ping of shroud lines and mooring slips in the dark laughter and hawsers creaking something warm. A breeze inside the breeze surrounded our ship and pulled us into the dock. Molly stepped out of the fog and threw us the line. Distant thunder seemed like fake thunder. We pulled against her and she pulled us in. The downtown lights quivered like a plant in mist, and I stepped ashore. The boat and I weren't friends, and the crew was like my public high school. I ignored their shouts and walked straight ahead over the damp cobblestones and broken glass to Molly holding the line. She wouldn't look at me. She fastened the boat to the pier. Fine, I thought. I spend my gold on wine. The air was busy, with the fluttering of bats and roasted meat. A light rain fell sideways or hung in the air. My clothes were out of date. I walked in the direction of the street lights and came to a bar and went in. Silence that greeted me wore angry black helmets and carried guns, and these big men looked at me with empty eyes. I went back out. The whole city was armed, and now I noticed shouting in a square off to the right.
1: This is so on brand for you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, Chris, why did you
0: choose this poem? You already fucking know. <laughs>
1: I want the audience to know.
0: <laughs> All right. I love this poem. And I am realizing, I already knew this, but I'm realizing that uh, I think two weeks ago I brought up Dan Quicks." This Neff Swift Passerine uh, that quotes from other poems. Uh, one time in mm-hmm. undergrad, Josh gave us an, uh, an exercise to uh, quote from other writings in a poem and write a poem around it. Definitely pulled from this book. Uh, <laughs> uh, from that page two passage I, I pulled from uh, the uh, she wouldn't look at me she fastened, fastened the boat to the pier fine I thought I spent my gold on wine um, and uh, I'm still working on that poem it's 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 become a long poem now and um, I am basically doing English to English translations on all the lines that I quoted from because I don't feel like I'm good enough to stand next to all the lines I quoted from so <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I love this poem. I, I love this poem very much. Uh, like I said, first two pages of a book-length chapbook, and I realized after we'd been doing our deep dives into uh, Roske and uh, Tyamba Jess that I, uh, I like long poems, and I, I hadn't read this book or kept up with Matthew Rohr's work in years. So I pulled it off the shelf, and uh, it was amazing. After these two pages, I like had to put the book down I didn't forget how much I love this book, but I did forget the effect it has on me. Um, I forget that I probably need to read this once a year, because um, I really like it. Um, I think he's really funny in a casual way, but also this poem is about a book. This poem is about a dude stepping off a ship into a new town and inadvertently joining an anti-fascist rebellion. Um, I found a review on syncreview.org. Uh, a site I'd never been to before yesterday, <laughs> but <laughs> found a review uh, by Ben Mirov uh, that calls this poem, I hope I'm pronouncing Ben's name right, uh, calls this poem a diehard poem, as in like, if the movie Die Hard was a poem. Um, and I love that, and I really aspire to writing something like that sometimes. So that's why this poem, because it fucking rules, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I did a bunch of toxic masculinity, but this poem fucking rules.
1: <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, I noticed
0: there was the sea. <laughs> he literally steps off a ship in like the first eight lines.
1: Steps off a ship and into a bar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounds like a pretty idyllic life to me. <laughs>
1: Oh my goodness! This is this is interesting. I had no background knowledge on this chapbook. Um, I've definitely read Matthew Rohrer. I've seen him read. It was an incredible, like, just wonderful venue for reading. It was at the Groiler Poetry Bookshop in Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, which is like this really tiny place. And I'm I I believe they are still open and have. Made it through the pandemic. It's one of those things. I know they've had to like raise money. It's just incredible to have this like really small only poetry bookshop stay open.
0: Yeah, um, I feel and he was either there. you've talked about that or, or that place or my dad's talked about that. Is it a bookstore as well? It's
1: just a bookstore. Yeah, yeah just okay. poetry though.
0: Yeah. Um, so my my dad has a big thing for um, going to use bookstores, and he's in Cambridge right. uh, gotcha. five days out of the week. Uh, not during the pandemic, but you know. Right. Um,
1: But uh, what made the reading, I think, most remarkable. I mean, Matt's a great reader, um, but his son was there. Oh, wow. um, And his son, I don't know how to age children. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not around kids enough to really get that. But his son was old enough to, like, sit and know, like, not to make a fuss at Mm -hmm. his dad's poetry reading. Right. Um, And it just, like, to me, had this incredible you know train of thought of like what would it be like to have your father be a poet right, right. <laughs> like a working poet you know someone who's like really doing it right. um what would it be like to be the father of children and you know like have them go to poetry readings as, you know like nothing could be further from my childhood experience that's not true but i to me it feels so far from my childhood experience right, um, right. you know
0: what um, did your dad do for a living
1: I, he works in the business side of medicine is like the, oh, sure. that th- yeah, the best I can give you. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. Um, he's worked with small doctors groups. Sure. Um, and I guess kind of, I don't know. He's bounced, he bounced around to like a bunch of these jobs um, when I was growing up. Yeah. And he's retired now.
0: <laughs> my uh, my dad took me to a, not a surgery one time, but one time when he got called in <laughs> and like this, uh, he, he, he was on call like late at night and this, this, like seven year old had like sliced his thumb in half and they called him in to do it. And he was mad because he was like, anybody in the hospital can do it. There's no reason for me to drive 15 minutes across town. Do you want to come see how easy this is? And I was like, 10 you know and i was like uh yeah sure I'll, I'll go to work with you yeah let's see let's see what's up and i walk in and there's this like this kid just a little bit younger than me with like half his thumb hanging off and my dad just like and my dad's like mad and grumbling the whole time and then he <laughs> he, he he opens the the curtain to see the kid and he just immediately like shifts and he's like the most pleasant bedside manner you could imagine right. um just like really cheerful really happy like hey oh Oh yeah that doesn't look like any fun. Let me fix that for you. you know, like just like the the sweet like the sweet version of my dad that I knew, you know, the the the, the nice guy who who uh who was such a good father. Um and then he just like in like 5 minutes just like puts like seven stitches in this kid's thumb. It's like, "Oh, it's all all better now, you know. You you're, you're going to be okay and uh yeah, come back and see us in a week. We'll get those stitches out, you know, like whatever he said, and, you know, right. and stuff." And uh <laughs> Walk out, close the curtain. He's like, see how easy that was? And I was like, I see how easy that was for you. It's not something I want to do ever. <laughs> so when I realized I was much more of a uh, humanities person, I often wondered what it would be like to have a father who was either like, yeah, a working poet or a working musician or something like that. Right, like, yeah. Right. Like imagine going to your dad's like your dad's in a band and going to your dad's show. You know
1: I think that would kind of be miserable.
0: I I kind of wonder you about know? that too. Yeah. But then my dad also plays violin, and I like watching him see him play. Like he plays at our church, you know. I mean that like...
1: wasn't see that was I was more picturing I don't know. Like...
0: But like a, like a like a like if your dad was in like an aging punk band, like if your if your dad was, I'm just
1: like picturing like a twelve year old who like has to go to the empty bottle again, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> Something you I would be like, oh yeah, let's go to the empty bottle, <laughs> and like a twelve year old just, just... A
1: kid in the green room, like dad, please don't get too drunk tonight. <laughs> oh my
0: god, can I just have another Shirley Temple, please? Thank you. <laughs>
1: playing nintendo you know, just like completely yeah. like yeah just, everyone just... loves this dad and he's just like or even worse and you know, nobody gives a shit about
0: <laughs> <laughs> More likely. Dad, dad,
1: you're gonna play to a bunch of people who are talking over your show again you're gonna Great. play to 12 people who <laughs> yeah. are somehow
0: talking over your band
1: <laughs> um we've gone off the rails off the poem um but i i will at least add to this of uh the few times that i made it to like my dad's work and it was something where like i don't know he was it was the weekend and we had to like stop by the office or i don't know maybe at some point i i don't know whatever just made it to his office and it was just like well this is just an office place and everyone is really <laughs> friendly to him um i think a lot of times because like he would be their boss um, is the real answer sure, to that sure. um but yeah it was just i like my understanding of my dad's work is just that like he like had to like solve problems a lot and oh,
0: sure.
1: problems yeah. came up a lot and that equaled stress a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know?
0: oh, the amount of jobs that are probably described that way.
1: Is... <laughs> so somehow poetry seemed like a better option than this. Right.
0: Um, but you brought that up because you were talking about a, a Matthew Rohr reading session. The
1: reading. Yeah. Um, I mean, mostly that's what was memorable at the reading. It was like, I couldn't believe this kid was there. But I, the last thing I will say on Matthew Rohr, um, he seems like a really pleasant, nice dude, um, but he has an impeccable reputation. People speak super, super highly of him.
0: That's um, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't so, know that. That's that's great. Yeah,
1: I, I just like have heard from a couple people, and then I've like seen Twitter things where people are just like so jacked about him. Um, yeah, for like being a good dude and apparently a great teacher and all that. Um, but I need you to take me deeper in this poem now. Um, what's going on, on the page? What's the move?
0: What's the move? The move is the momentum. Um, I. I'm a sucker for momentum. Apparently, uh, we talked about this a bit when uh, when we were reading Ross Gay's Beholding. Um, but yeah, just have a thing for it. There's very little punctuation other than sajuras and line breaks and a few commas here and there, and it just moves. The poem just moves. You can get lost in this poem. Um, yeah, you can you can just get fully lost in this poem. It hits that sweet spot between like narrative and uh, poem that I love. Uh, but there's very little fiction-y, kind of dry descriptions. When I was when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, like, a. I love reading Hemingway out loud, like his short stories. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he uses, uh, I've said this on the podcast before, never looked it up. There's a word for when you use a conjunction over and over again to create movement within a sentence and, like, within a, a, a long-run sentence. Mm-hmm. But Hemingway he does repeat himself a lot. He's like, we drank the wine and the wine was good and it was good wine. And then we ordered another (laughs) bottle of wine. Um, um, uh, Matthew doesn't do that here. Um, There's image. um, The first line, the ping, the ping of shroud lines in mooring ships. Uh, There's figurative language. The, uh, the downtown lights quivered like a plant in mist, like all the poetic things are here, but it's like a constantly moving long form narrative. Mm Mm-hmm. I wish all my writing was like this. (laughs) I wish all my writing was this good. Um, Momentum while also maintaining that lyric focus.
1: mm -hmm. I was going to say that would probably be number three on why this felt super on brand for you um, is that it's, I was so right in the narrative right away, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're right. It's like, you could not mistake this um, for not being a poem. It's so. It's It's very much a poem. poem. Yeah, it has all of. It has very clear poetic tendencies, um, but it's also very, very much a narrative. I think it's just interesting. I guess it's probably because it's a longer narrative. Is is what I'm thinking. It's just so often when I think of poems having kind of a a narrative bend, I guess it's because the 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 story, for lack of better words, is is so compact. um, And this is just like getting us started, inviting us into right, um, right. whatever the story does. Um, it goes places that I want to know about after you've talked about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's, 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 it's it goes places. Uh, <laughs> he gets high with some people he meets, he fires some heavy artillery at a certain point. It's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on.
1: And he's also I mean, I think you said this somewhere in your notes um, I feel like he can be referred to as like a funny poet yeah um, did you ever
0: read the chat book nice hat thanks that he did with joshua I actually, Beckman?
1: i own that and i definitely took it from someone
0: like <laughs> 12 years ago was it someone we went to college with because i have my copy
1: it is i don't know if you knew this person
0: oh, okay okay yeah uh it's um, not
1: from our normal circle of poet college
0: people Oh, okay was it kevin uh, he, no oh, okay
1: <laughs> he took a class with josh but um sure
0: yeah. Yeah, they wrote that book by trading off words. Right. Which is nuts to me. It's
1: remarkable. But it's, it's remarkable.
0: It's such a funny book of poetry. It's so <laughs> funny.
1: Um that one aside because that is all funny. But when I when I think of his work, I like, he has humor in it, but the poems I don't how do I really want to say this? It doesn't, you know, the poems don't ever feel like jokes.
0: No, they you never know, feel it's like it's not jokes. like just
1: going out of way ha funny. It's not removed from I think like an emotional I think there's an emotional center that's really important to his work.
0: Yes. And I think I think a lot of the humor comes from that emotional center.
1: Ooh.
0: Of like he writes like someone who gives a shit, but is also <sighs> like uh is also like, you know, sort of dryly aware of how absurd things are.
1: Yeah. So first I was going to say is like, I would, I'm not going to get too violent about this. I would do, I would just, what I would do to have someone say, he writes like he gives a shit about <laughs> things. That's what I want on the back of my book.
0: The, um, the but, greatest blurb I ever read was Joyce Carol Oates uh, on a Raymond Chandler book uh, saying Raymond Chandler wrote like pain hurt and life mattered. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, well, that's something I want someone to say about me. That's
1: pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, but I think you really nailed that with like the humor comes out of like recognizing just how absurd things are. You right. know? I, I was going to point to a, a moment that I thought was funny. Um, the boat and I weren't friends, and the crew was like my public high school. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that one. And then on the next page, just, just my clothes were out of date.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I always, I always read this poem as someone going to a new town, but um, uh, the review I was reading said uh, a resident of the town came back from a long journey. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm very open to being the one who's wrong here, but the, the, my clothes were out of date is like, just imagine coming home and like you're, You're just wearing the wrong clothes.
1: (laughs) I've been at sea for so long that (laughs) fashion has changed. That
0: is very funny. (laughs) (laughs) Also, um this this isn't the funniest thing, but it's funny to me. Uh right after that, came to a bar and went in, the silence that greeted me wore angry black helmets. And like you just picture people wearing angry black helmets like you picture like militants and uh uh fascistic groups are are dangerous and should be taken seriously but there is always that funny element of just like the guy who takes himself way too seriously and it's like you know clearly never had like never been in combat never had any combat training or anything like that like went to an army surplus store and bought a gun and then like wore a helmet to the bar was like what are you gonna do about it and it's like nothing I'm, i'm gonna sit here and have a drink like like you are because what are you gonna do (laughs) like is
1: exactly it the 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 pointing to the absurdities of real life of of yeah of this theoretical fascist person imagining um theoretical fascist person that
0: lives like 45 minutes away from me
1: (laughs) (laughs) is a legitimate danger and can also be dressed absurdly.
0: Just totally absurd. It's like the silence that greeted me wore black helmets is like.
1: I was going to say, I, I love zooming in on that. Because, yeah, the silence line break that greeted me wore angry. And so all of a sudden I'm like, oh, the silence is wearing black helmets. The silence is carried gun, gar- carrying the guns. And it does turn it into, and these big men looked at me.
0: Right, um, the, the and order. these big men look
1: <laughs> me, and <laughs> also not muscular,
0: not muscular men, not 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 in shape men, not even not like overweight men, nothing like that. Just these big men, just <laughs> like, oh, you're a real big dude, aren't you? Like, <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I think those couple lines are masterfully written. Bravo. Yeah, what's going on off the page?
0: Uh, I alluded to it a little bit earlier um, with saying, I wish all my writing was like this. <laughs> but yeah, our, our recent deep dives into uh, Beholding and Lead Belly, we talked up top about how I can't read books anymore, and I read those books. <laughs> and it made me uh, think uh, very much about, like, what it means to be a book-length poem, what it means mm-hmm. to expand on the form, uh, to blow it out beyond, like, sonnet, haiku, and lyric, and other stuff, because when you picture a novel and you picture a poem, they look different, right? Right. Um, they, they, the novels that sell in the New York Times bestseller list, they, they don't look like novels in verse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, this poem blurs that for me, and I, I, I really like that, and I, I get to wondering about my own writing. I love experimenting with form. I love either, one, giving myself the challenge of trying out a particular form, or two, moving from genre to genre within the same piece. But there is kind of an impulse sometimes of wondering if I'm like, I'm just showing off or like, I'm just just doing like academic exercises Mm. Um, is an insecurity I have. And like, do I need to be twisting and contorting this short story into a series of prose poems or do I need to make this poem 20 pages long? Um, And then I read something like this and I think, yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do need to be doing that because it's, (laughs) it's very fun and very nice to read. So, yeah, it's kind of like I've mentioned that this book is a, a big uh, influence on me and hit me at a critical time and stuff like that. But like, a, yeah, it's just kind of it's one of those books that's like an affirmation of like, yeah, get weird with it, and like mess around <laughs> with stuff. You know? Right. Um, right. So I um, love it. I think. Um, so yeah, it's made me think about my own writing.
1: For sure. I was going to say, I, I know there's one. I feel like I've had a very similar answer recently, and I think that's been on my mind so often what we want to bring to the table here. We want to share is that poem where it's just like, I want to do this. Yeah. I want to do this. Yeah. Um it is funny the you know the impulse to write a long poem it does. So much of poetry encourages efficiency. Um you know that it feels like this 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 big pushing back at, at at what is a base instinct. And kind of as you were saying that, you know, I don't know if the question to get caught up on is should I, so much as to remember that, like, you can always cut. Cutting That's is true. so much easier than adding, you know?
0: Cutting is very, <laughs> very much easier than adding. And um, cutting almost never hurts the work. It <laughs> might hurt you, but it hurts the way it does, doesn't usually hurt the work.
1: <laughs> um, I, I mean, I haven't given myself that same advice lately, but it does feel... Really important right now. So,
0: yeah, yeah, you know, yeah.
1: like I think I think more often I need to let it rip, you know, and then remember, like, yeah, whatever it turns, just, whatever that,
0: just cut later. Yeah, yeah. my problem is I when I when I go full cut later, I then have trouble reading the draft because I'm like, oh god, I'm terrible at writing, <laughs> uh, which is an impulse that you know every writer has, and right. uh, you just have to get over it and stuff like that, but. uh, yeah it's hard um and then uh you said something about um the impulse in poetry to be efficient or uh, whatever the phrasing you used was we've talked a lot about on this podcast about how like that that is one of the strengths of this poem uh, of of this art form is Mm -hmm. that um yeah like a short little like six or eight line thing that's just like a total brain melting thing like you know that's there's something very powerful about that that like other art forms don't have the luxury of being and right. uh, that should be celebrated. But then like, yeah, I guess the challenge of, uh, taking that six or eight line, I'm trying not to use violence in my language, but like <laughs> six or eight line gut punch, heavy hitter, you know, uh, lightning bolt to the heart, um, something like that. Um, taking, taking that six or eight line thing and then expanding that, uh, Expanding that out over, you know, a chapbook or a book um, right. is uh, um, an impressive thing to do, and like something I just kind of want to challenge myself with, to be honest. Like <laughs> I just want the challenge of it, you know.
1: Um, I think both the really short and the really long feel really gutsy to me. I think I think you know when I come to a yeah. book and see a th- like three line poem or whatever, you're just like, wow, you really. One you pull that off, um, but yeah, I, I feel like I would just like question myself so much. I'm like, does this really deserve a page? Right. You know. And then same uh, thing with a long poem of like, does this really deserve twenty pages? Right. You know, that's that's a question. That's a voice in my head a lot with that.
0: One hundred percent. And yeah, when I, whenever I see short poems, the example I was thinking of, uh, just because I was uh, thinking of him and rereading his book a little bit, uh, friend of the program, Adrian Sobel. Uh, has a couple of, like, three-line poems in uh, his mm-hmm. book. Um, was titled The Last Person at the Party is Harder to Find. I'm going to mangle the title. Oh, I'm sorry, Adrian. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, he's a, he has a couple poems in there that I was reading the other day that are, like, three or four lines. And I'm just like, it's good. But, like, how did you call this finished? How did you, yeah. in your mind, figure out, like, okay, this is done. Like, I've got it now. And I, I've i never found the answer to that for myself.
1: I do not have answers
0: here. Yeah. What's the shortest poem you've ever written?
1: Probably eight to ten lines.
0: Yeah, I think I'm about you know, there, too.
1: I think I've had... Like, what's coming to mind immediately is something where I was like, oh, this is close enough to a sonnet. Let's just sonnet it. And then, like, every effort to make it longer is like... that makes it worse. That's sure, like, that's, sure. bad. Like, that's all this thing needs to be. And I don't, you know, like, that poem certainly, ha- anything that short, I certainly have not had published. Yeah, let's um, yeah, feel hard to know what to do with.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever gotten under eight lines. Um, <laughs> nor had very much interest in doing so, but also, right. but like, the challenge thing that I was talking about, you know, like, yeah. you know. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's my my strength, my, my thing I can do one day,
1: one day. Um, do you know what's going on right now?
0: Is it the NBA playoffs?
1: The suns are up 15 on the Lakers in game
0: one. Oh, wow. Oh, that's great.
1: (laughs) I got a text from someone that just said, yes. And I was like, (laughs) I need to, I need to check the score.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. That's an, that, that is, uh, that's, that's really, really great news. Um, uh, (laughs) I can't believe I'm cheering for Chris Paul, but here we are. My God. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, the playoffs just started when we're recording this. Um, It'll come out. I don't think the first round will be done when this episode comes out, but it might be. I don't know. Uh, Or some some series might be decided. Um, But I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked you last year. Who's your, uh, quote-unquote, second team this year? Like if the Clippers get knocked out and we are not mentioning the Bulls on this podcast – but, uh who's got a uh who's got a special place in your heart? I'm trying to
1: remember who I would have said last year. I think I probably ended up saying like three or four teams I would be stoked about.
0: I said three or four teams and you gave me shit for it. You're like, okay, you're mentioning every team <laughs>
1: <laughs> also I like just because of the way the basketball calendar has had to ship by last year, you mean like October
0: right right, right. It was it was like <laughs> or September or something yeah <laughs> it's like. Basically, like before you got your new job, is what we talking about, <laughs> or, or right when you got your new right job, right when I started, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I mean, mostly at this point, after literally just one game of the of Luca doing whatever he wants against the Clippers, I I feel resigned already to be like, no, this. Uh, they need they need an absolute kick in the butt uh, again. The violence. <laughs> they need they need something to click. Um, they need a
0: motivating factor.
1: That and I think I think um, the the Kawhi who took over in Toronto needs to show up again. Um, yeah, where's he? Been? I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, um, you know. But um, so if if w- when they lose or if they lose or whatever's gonna happen, I feel bad because I want to. I do want to say like three or four teams,
0: right? Okay. <laughs> and, and I also for you know, I was just saying. It's great that the Lakers are down by fifteen stuff, but uh, there are a couple Western Conference teams I'm going to use in my answer. But I, mm-hmm. this, who knows what's going to happen with the Clippers in the off season, regardless of what happens in the postseason. Mm-hmm. I do want to see the LA Bowl in the Conference Finals.
1: Ah, that would be wonderful.
0: I, 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 that'd just be so cool.
1: I was just thinking too. Um, I thought about this. So the the play in game between the Lakers and the Warriors was. A delight yeah oh that was great um and i really enjoy seeing steph curry lose oh no i was thinking actually the i'm sorry the grizzlies warriors game was the one that was i mean both games were great i both love games seeing were steph, great. Yeah. steph curry lose i wow it's amazing we're warriors. still friends
0: yeah. <laughs> um
1: but i had that thought i was i had that moment where i was like a playoffs without steph is a bad this is our second year in a row where we just don't have playoff steph and that kind it of sucks, sucks. So i was, I was yeah. thinking the same thing where it's like Especially with LeBron finally having injury, it's like gotta Appreciate him while he's still here, right? Uh, you know, and I, I don't need to see him win another title. I think four is good. I yeah. yeah. I, I was very happy. I was fine with the Lakers winning last year, um, but uh, I felt this way a lot towards the end of Kobe's career. Um, sure, you know where I, this is someone who as a, as a, I was in middle school and I was, just didn't like I didn't like Lakers. Right. Or didn't like Kobe, and then years later being like this guy's. Fun to watch. I should, I should pay attention and feel just like enjoy watching it.
0: Well, even when you even when you sports hate someone, there is something, especially in the NBA, about seeing the best players go at mm-hmm. each other in playoff series. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really, yeah. really nice and should be appreciated. Like even if I'm, you know, pettily cheering against Chris Paul, I'm glad Chris Paul is in the playoffs. You know. Um I'm glad this Sun team this Suns team looks great because Devin Booker hasn't been in the playoffs since. it's like right why why are we wasting Devin Booker's prime not being in the playoffs and then I was pulling for the Warriors cuz I always want Steph in the playoffs but uh you know now we get John ja Morant in the playoffs and like John ja Morant's I awesome.
1: love this Grizzlies team. Gotcha. Love yeah. Love this Grizzlies team front to bottom even the so his terrible haircut. Um <laughs> Okay, so I, I, will, I will give you a, an East team and a West team. Sure. Um, and leading around to that, the Suns are my pick. Um, okay. I would love, love, love Chris Paul to get a title. Yeah, um, yeah, That would feel, it would just feel weird for that team to win.
0: It would feel very <laughs> you know, weird.
1: I, I like a, a quirky, um, you know, a team, you know, by most accounts, like the, the idea of them is like they're not ready.
0: Right, Um, right,
1: and again, like even if they win today, it would not at all surprise me if the Lakers just won four straight against them. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I would really like Chris Paul to get the title. Um, I just think that would them coming out of the West. If it's not the Clippers, I would feel really good about. Sure, yeah. In the East, probably the Sixers.
0: Okay, you know I don't hate that pick.
1: I would love for
0: uh, the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid pairing to be justified. I'd say or, I say, I quote unquote justified. I think they right. work together and I would I would love to have them succeed because I, th- I think they're both really cool players.
1: Right. I agree. I, I really like them both. Yeah. I mean, Joel is incredible and an all around delight. I think I like Ben Simmons a lot more than most people do. I get it. He can't shoot, whatever. Yeah. Blah, blah, same blah. here. Um, but I think he's also a really fascinating and fun player. Um, and yeah, I would like. Um I think they were justified in not doing a hardened trade and I would like like that to come to fruition.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, that would feel really good. Um yeah, I have no interest in seeing the Nets win. If the Bucks won, that'd be nice. You know, yeah. You know, Is like. anyone
0: in the world a Nets fan? I mean, like probably Ju- Julian goes to Nets games, but he's not a Nets fan. No,
1: he's right? he's he's he got so snorked about the Knicks the second he realized they were doing great. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. All right, I am. I'm not
0: usually against like uh, players teaming up and stuff like that, but I just everything about the Brooklyn Nets is like so soulless. Like <laughs> their jerseys are terrible and bland. Um, they haven't been there very long. Uh, their owner was a Russian ol- oligarch. Like I don't even know if like who owns the I don't team think now. He is anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he sold, but like he was so unlikable, and then it's just like. Harden, Kyrie, and Durant. And I'm not going to say that I like or dislike any of those players, but they are among the most unlikable players in the NBA. <laughs> teaming up and just being like, all right, we're going to win together. Yeah, it's it's just like no one in the world except for like a couple of people in Flatbrush are Cheering for the Brooklyn Nets right now. <laughs>
1: you know, I, I i just kind of bummed with it. Uh, I mean, because as much as seeing really great players play together, there is something fun about that. There's um, something fun about that. Yeah, but in addition to me <laughs> being so grumpy about the Warriors being good, part of what I think was lame about KD on the Warriors was we had this all-time great team, and Steph and Clay and Draymond are such a cool combination, and they work. Yeah. You know, it's just, like, such a good group together. Yeah. Um, and Katie and Steph, I think, are, like, top, top, top tier all-time great players. 100%. Um, and that team was just so good that it felt like both of them didn't get to do their their real thing.
0: Yeah, it almost you know? felt like, both, yeah, like, you, we always want players to, like, give up personal adulations and, like, sacrifice for the team and stuff like that. But it's when you have, like, two real all-timers like that, it's like, oh, not like this. It's,
1: like, watching Steph on a bad team this year was awesome.
0: Yeah, it was great. You know? That's and why I, just I felt didn't like... like the LeBron-Wade-Bosch team up, even though it, like, ended up being the best for all of them because, like, Wade started aging rapidly. Yeah. LeBron finally had good teammates because he had no good teammates in Cleveland. And, like, Bosch, <laughs> like, found a perfect role for him, for himself. Right. Um I didn't like it initially because I was like, man, I want LeBron and Wade to, like, play against each other in the playoffs, you know?
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I I feel that, like, really hard about Kevin Durant. Like, we just had this four-season run. Was it four? It was just three. It was only three seasons. Wait, no, it was Um, four. Wait, no. It was just three. It was three. Two championships. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Three seasons of, of seeing him on a team that, like, didn't need him.
0: Right, it was, a team that didn't, <laughs> you know? it was like basketball euphoria, but it was right. a team that didn't need it.
1: Right, yeah. um, and then now it's on this other team where it's just
0: like whose offense is it?
1: Kyrie and Harden are going to have the ball a <laughs> lot, right? <laughs> and Kyrie's a delight to watch the ball. Harden has been more likable to watch in Brooklyn than he was in Houston. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, I would agree. With but that. Uh, yeah, I, I just I, the last time I was watching them, it was just like it feels like. KD still doesn't get to do enough.
0: Right. Maybe the best scorer on the planet is being relied on to be the best defensive player on his team. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, We're going off the rails. I'm going to get to my team. Your picks. Okay. So always, 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 always the Blazers for the sake of Dame and CJ gotta, gotta love gotta, it gotta look and Daniels aging Melo
1: would be great to see him
0: with aging Melo, yeah uh, especially the the adorable way that when he hits like a scoring record they've been giving him the game ball have you <laughs> noticed that this season <laughs> love, it, <laughs> yeah. love it um um but so i have like conflicting feelings about denver um that i want to that i want to that i want to parse out like you're my therapist and that the nba matters <laughs> So I like Jokic a lot. A schlubby dude. He's probably going to win the MVP. I like Michael Porter Jr. He lived up to his bragging that he did last year when he was like talking about like I should be the number one player and it's like, or or a, or a bigger part of the offense or whatever he said. And it's like who who are you? And then the season he was like, this is who I am. Um, I, I I love I love that. I saw
1: this in your notes and I was like, he's so so unlikable. <laughs> he's, There's he's, something that just rubs me so much the wrong way about this guy.
0: I'm not saying I like him, but I like him living up to what he said. Mostly because I want to like. That's the more nugget.
1: generous than I am right now.
0: <laughs> sure. Um, I like Aaron Gordon being on a team that isn't the Magic. I'm just very happy yep. for him. Um, and I want Bo to get a ring. Uh, okay. If you don't want Bo to get a ring, then I don't know what to say. But I also want it. I kind of want them to win next year because I want Jamal Murray to have rad finals moments because Jamal Mm -hmm. Murray, you know, would have rad finals moments. He probably would. um, Um, It sucks that he got hurt this year, and that's a bummer. I really like Jamal Murray.
1: I know Um, that Porter's been good and filled in that second scorer role, but I legitimately just, like, do not think they can without Jamal Murray. No, I don't
0: think they can either. And they've got a couple other injuries, too. It's going to fizzle out at a certain point, but, like, but with Murray in play, this would have been a very interesting playoffs for them. Um, I don't even know if they'll beat the Blazers in the first round. They're playing the Blazers in the first round, right? Yeah, they lost yeah, last yeah. night. Yeah, um, I didn't get my. Team. I, I mix up the Nuggets and the Jazz in my head a lot. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, like I have this weird thing where sometimes I'll see something that's white and I'll call it yellow, and I'll see something that's yellow and call it white. I've always I've done that since I was like mm-hmm. a child. Yeah. It's really weird, and I do that with the Nuggets and the Jazz. <laughs> I'll like say the Nuggets when I mean the Jazz. Um, yeah, I don't even know if they're going to get past the Blazers. So, um, if I'm picking an East and a West, it's, um, anyone but the Nets in the East. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get on board with you and go Sixers. Um, and then, uh, it's not going to happen, but I might, uh, I might really lean into being a Tennessee Homer and, uh, cheer for the. John Morant, like Grizzlies, uh, oh,
1: they're, they're such a cool team. got for as long as they last I, I meant to m- mention this when you brought up Jokic, um, but I, I would be remiss to not uh, also brag on the podcast. Uh, Jokic was my first overall pick in fantasy, and and we I won this year.
0: Nice, I hell won. yeah! Oh, that's our great.
1: First, year. we transferred to a keeper league this year, right? Um, and I I gave up everything next season. I'm going to be terrible next year. But
0: you're going to have Jokic. Um,
1: But I no, Jokic is gone. Oh no! You can't keep your first. You can't keep your first round pick. It's complicated. Oh no! Nobody wants to hear this. Um, No, actually, the real the real key was I picked Tyrese Halliburton with the last pick in the draft. Oh. So in in theory, the way these keeper rules work, um, because eventually you kind of can't keep a guy anymore. In theory, if this keeper league lasts, I can keep him for the next twelve years.
0: You're just really betting on Tyrese Halliburton being.
1: I am a million percent a betting fantasy god on for twelve years.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I am. I am very glad that uh, you beat uh, ultimate fantasy league troll Eddie Schmidt by picking Denver Nuggets star Nikola Jokic. Um, he had
1: the pick in the draft before me, and he picked Harden. He was like, "How did Harden fall?" And I was like, "Because I'm going to get Jokic."
0: Right, and Harden is... When the draft was happening, Harden's like 70 pounds overweight and trying to get (laughs) it out of Houston. Like, why would you pick Harden?
1: This is why he dropped, yeah.
0: I'm very bad bad at fantasy basketball. So bad that I don't play it anymore because it's not fun (laughs) for me. (laughs) And I wouldn't have picked Harden.
1: Um, We are way too deep in the weeds right now. We are Um, way too deep
0: in the weeds. We are very long. but uh, It's the longest episode, for sure. Yeah, but hopefully Eddie is still listening and uh 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 cradling his young son while i say i'm glad he lost
1: <laughs> oh my goodness all right let's 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 let it die let's call it more violence more violence
0: <clears throat> more violence yeah oh my god uh more violence in the language check we- our language next week I don't know how we're going to get off that because it's just the way we talk. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Okay. Well, that's been an episode. Um, Our music is produced by Brennan Johnson. Our artwork is done by A.M. Strickland. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week.